Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. My name's Dave, if we haven't met before, and this is Sam. Uh, one of the things that we do, it's been mentioned it's on the holidays uh, at the moment, one of the things we do during the holidays is we make sure that we get uh, the kids involved in different ways. You might have seen some out the front greeting. Uh, Janet had her kids up last week helping her with the Bible reading, and Sam's going to help me this morning. So without any further ado, we're reading Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 to 28. If you've got one of the blue church Bibles, you'll find that starting on page 519. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Whoever seeks good finds favour. But evil comes to one who searches for it. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Good morning, my name's Ross, if we haven't met. Uh, it's interesting that when we come to school holidays, we pick out a few things that you know, just make us think a little bit. And this is just one of those things, talking about generosity and giving and why should we do that. Uh, so we're just going to look into a little bit of uh, Proverbs that we had read to us just to help us think through what is this all about when it comes to my money, my stuff, and what does it mean to be giving and to be generous in that? How about I pray first and then we'll dig a little bit deeper. Dear Father God, thanks uh, again for bringing us all here this morning. Thanks that we can meet as a family on a Sunday morning as we remember the resurrected Jesus, that he's the one who gave his life. He's the one who gives life. And Lord, we pray that as, even as we think about generosity, uh, what that means for us, that we might find that life through you. In Jesus' name, amen. A little while back, I was lining up to get my sushi down at the uh, shopping centre. Here we go. Love the sushi. Uh, and I was in the queue, as you are, it's lunchtime, I'm hungry, and the lady in front of me uh, ordered two or three sushi rolls, like most people do, for, um, to have something to eat. And the, the teller says something that we all fear when we're up that time, you got your food there. Uh, they tell a price, and she realises she's short of money. She was 30 cents short. So that moment of panic, she's got a sushi sitting on a plate, and what am I going to do? Uh, I'm standing behind her, and I'm going, like, you know, gee, this is awkward, awkward for her. And I felt in my pocket, and wouldn't you know it, in my pocket I had change. Pulled it out, and it was exactly 30 cents. And I said, here you go, done. She paid. She turned around, her debt was paid that way, she got her lunch. She turned around and looked at me amazed and goes, Thank you. Thank you so much. And like, not just a little thank you, a big thank you. You're so generous. Now I can have my lunch. And she was happy and I was happy. And in that moment, um, yeah, just that overwhelming thing of I helped somebody. I helped somebody. And making 
being generous makes you feel good that you are able to help them, they're able to have their lunch, they're show, showing appreciation, overwhelming appreciation that I was able to be so generous to fix her so she could have her sushi rolls and that was good. And it, it does make you feel good inside. So afterwards, uh, I was sitting reflecting on this, like, gee, generosity makes you feel good. But then I was thinking through a bit more, going, what does it mean to be generous? Because to be honest with you, I hate change. Change that sits in your pockets and rattle around. I don't like it. I like to get rid of it wherever I can. So it was actually a joy for me to get rid of my 30 cents. The other thing I hate is queues in the food line. So I'm waiting for my food and here's this lady holding up my food and now I can get to my food, I can clear that up. So and actually, was that generosity at all? Because it was actually helping me get my food quicker and get rid of my change out of my pockets. So what does it mean to be generous? So it was 30 cents, but made such a difference for this lady, gave me the warm fuzzy and encouragement to do that more. But what if she was not 30 cents short, but $3 short? I don't have $3 change on me now. Now I have to get my card out and tap it. That just changes generosity a little bit more. What if she didn't have any money for lunch at all and it was $13? Would I just pay for this strange lady's lunch at $13? Is that being generous? Because now it's starting to hurt. It's making me feel a bit uncomfortable that I would just do that for a stranger. What if it was more than that? See, what is generosity and what... what brings joy in being generous, and where's the line? So I think we've all got a line somewhere where we cross to go, actually, I'm not finding joy in being generous. It's actually hard work now, and I'm actually not finding this fun at all when it comes to giving money away. Because often we get in our head that it's my money, it's my stuff, I've worked for this, I could use this money to do a lot of, uh, to impact my life a lot better than often other people would, so why don't I just use it for myself? You know, every time you go to the shopping centre, you get the charities out the front saying, you know, save orangutan or give a, church, a kid in a third world country uh, an education. What do you do there? Every, there's so many good things you've been giving to, but it hurts. Sometimes it's joyful, other times it's not. What about the experience when we come to church? We only had this a few minutes ago. When we come in and Ben says, hey, we're going to pass a bucket around. Uh, you know, how do you feel when the bucket comes around? Oh, I love putting money in there because I love generosity. We go, oh, actually, this hurts. This makes me feel uncomfortable. There's a line somewhere in there that takes the joy out of giving and being generous. So let me ask you a question. Does it feel like a duty or is it a joy to give? So even in church, we go, hey, if you're a... Uh, a Christian, if you believe in God and you're part of this church, you know, it's kind of like we encourage you to express that in your giving. But once we start doing that, it becomes a duty and it takes the fun out of it. So is it a duty or is it a joy? Whether it's church, whether it's anywhere. You know, why be generous? And digging deeper, why is it so hard to be generous? To be generous joyfully. Why is that so hard? Because Solomon uh, is, is a guy that speaks into this space, is a guy that um, lived about a thousand years before Jesus. And he uh, has a lot to talk about life, 
And a big part of life is how we use our money. Solomon is a guy, he's a a smart, rich guy. Smart because uh, God blessed him with amazing wisdom. He asked God for wisdom and God uh, made him the wisest man in the country. People used to come to to hear him speak and to teach about stuff. And through that, God blessed him also with riches. He was known as the wealthiest man uh, in the world at that time, in the known world at that time. So if you're going to get advice about money and and wisdom on being generous, this is a guy you want to hear from. You don't want to hear from the guy with no money or the beggar living on the street. What does he know about that stuff? But a wise, rich guy, we want to listen to what he's got to say. Because he's written uh, this book of Proverbs and he's writing it to his sons particularly, it says at the start. And he's going, look, this is the sort of stuff I've observed in life. These are lessons for life that I want to pass on to the next generation. And he wrote it down so many generations could, could come and glean from his wisdom. But he's going, this is what I've learned from life, understanding how does God work through this world? You know, things don't randomly happen. I know there's a God there, but how does he work? Because sometimes it's surprising. And what he writes is things that are genuinely true, uh, generally true. Uh, I see this happening all around. But also when we look at Proverbs, we've got to realise they're not promises either. If you do this, this will happen. It's a promise from God. No, no. He's saying, look, what, I'm just observing how God works in this world. And they're generally true. But they're things we need to take on board. They're wisdom. So Solomon comes up, he writes this book, we're picking it up in chapter 11, and he's going, this is what I see when it comes to generosity and money. He says, we benefit when we give. We benefit when we're generous. He's going to give us three reasons. The first one, uh, he explains, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. He says, when I look around, I think I'm seeing people who are generous are doing better than the ones who hold things back. Because often we think, uh, with my money, it's my money and I'm going to hold on to it. And when I get wealthy, when I get rich, then I might start being generous. Then I can bless others through my wealth. This guy, no, no, with a lot of money or little money, if you're hoarding your money, you're actually going to be in poverty all the time. But if you're freely generous with your money, he says, those are the people who actually seem like they're doing well. They're gaining even more stuff. This is what I'm looking around. This is what I'm observing. The second thing, he says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I think of my experience with the sushi. (laughs) Pay 30 cents to a lady. I felt good for the experience. I felt blessed through uh, helping her out in that moment but there's other things in life that we do that i got a phone call uh just this week about uh we do a compassion sponsor child and we got the phone call say hey you've been sponsoring this child for 12 years now he's just turned 21 the program's finished we just want to let you know thank you for the difference you've made in his life he's got an education he's come up and he's now uh ready you know he's got part-time work joining the workforce he lives in a poor area of thailand but that didn't just say thanks for your money for the last 12 years but thank you you've blessed him in that journey you've also helped his family enormously but you've also helped the village in your giving to that as well as the local church now in that moment i'm thinking wow for the last 12 years i've been paying this money and now i can see it's really made a difference i've helped this kid that I've never even met before I've helped this village that I've never been to before and I've helped this church to to connect with their community I feel blessed through that 
knowing that I've made a difference to this place that I've never been to, people I've never met. I feel blessed through that. And I think too, if you're a part of Southside here and you give to Southside Ministries, I think you need to just take a moment sometimes to think through, actually, I'm excited when I see in the kids' church area, all those kids in there, they're enjoying their kids' church, they're learning about God, and, and they're growing in there. To take a moment to go, I'm glad I'm giving towards the work of this church and seeing that happen. And whether it's the life course that's been running, seeing people um, hear about Jesus in there, whether it's youth, whether it's uh, English for Life on Wednesday mornings, whether it's us here now. If you're giving to the ministry of this church, sometimes it's good for us to go, you know what, as I look around here, yeah, I feel blessed that I can be a part of this, making this happen through my generosity, through my giving. See, a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others. I'm being refreshed in this when I see all this stuff happening around me. On the flip side, though, he says people, who, uh, people curse the one. This is how it affects other people. People curse the one who hoards their grain. So they're keeping all their stuff to themselves. Other people go, you know, you're tight. People curse them. But they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Others are saying, you know, God bless you. We hope you prosper more because you're generous with your money. You're generous with your giving. We love your heart and we love the way you're impacting others. So Solomon's going, look, I see this. The person who gives is actually in a better place. They're happier. Uh, but then he pulls it all together in verse 28 where he says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. He pulls that together going, you know, if you're hoarding your money, if it's going, it's all about me, when I get rich, then I'll be generous. But for now, I'm pulling it together. If you're trusting your money for that, you're going to fall. It's not going to work for you. But the righteous, the one who trusts God, he will thrive like a green leaf. The one who's growing and fresh and doing well in life. He's not falling. He's still attached to the plant and growing well. These are the lessons, Solomon says. I look around and this is what I see, I observe in life. In fact, it's such an interesting observation for Solomon. He goes, I want to write this down. I want to write this down for my sons to know, for all people to know, because you won't find it anywhere else. This, is, this goes against everything that kind of makes sense. You know, you won't find this stuff in a science book. You won't find this stuff in an accountancy course. Give more stuff away and you benefit. You prosper. You become a better person. He says, you won't find that anywhere else. I've got to write this down because when I look around, this is exactly what I see. And it doesn't make sense in a scientific way. But he says, when you understand how God works, it does make perfect sense. If you understand who God is, this is how life works. So we need to understand what God is like. So for Solomon, we won't go into all the verses, he knows uh, the God of creation. The God who made everything in the opening chapters of Genesis is described. God made the land, the water, the sun, the trees, the animals. He made everything bit by bit. And yet, even though he made everything, it's all his. He entrusts man with that. So when Adam and Eve come along, he gives, puts them in charge. He says, I'm going to entrust this with you to manage, to rule over creation. Now, there's still God's. God still manages it. God still makes things grow, things animals reproduce and all that sort of stuff. God's still there and making it happen. But he's going, I'm going to uh, let you be stewards of my stuff. This is yours. It's never Adam and Eve's stuff. 
It's all God's creation. Even to the point when Adam and Eve reject God, they reject his rule, and God kicks them out of the garden. God's going, no, no, you, you, you've blown it this time. Adam and Eve weren't complaining, hang on, you've taken my land away from me. You've taken my stuff away from me. They didn't have any title to it. They had to leave the garden because it's God's. It's God's stuff. It's always God's stuff. But he entrusts us with it. So he can give us more. He can give and take what he likes. Because it's not ours to have. It's God's. But also, uh, God's character is to be generous. And we see that as you, on the journey through the Old Testament. You see God's people, there, uh, the, the Israelites, they're in slavery in Egypt. And when God comes to rescue them, he doesn't send a massive army. He doesn't do anything, um, you know, the, the, humanly speaking, going to rescue his people. But something only God can do. He pulls out this guy, Moses. Moses is an interesting guy. When you look at him, he's not a big leader. The only thing he can lead is a flock of sheep. Because when he left Egypt, he killed a guy. Instead of standing up for it, he ran away like a coward. He goes up into the hills and becomes a shepherd. He's not even a very uh, articulate speaker. To he's not persuasive at all. So when God said, hey, I'm going to use you to rescue my people, Moses said, no, no, you got the wrong guy. I can't do that. God's response is like, I know you can't do that. It's all about me. I want to do that. God wants to do it. He wants to show them that he's got the power. He's got the love. He loves to, to protect and provide for his people. So he wants to go in and rescue his people. What about when they get rescued and uh, he, he promises this, this amazing promised land of milk and honey. It's all going to be wonderful because they get a bit shy. Uh, they come back into the desert. And so God's got to look after them for 40 years in the desert. How's he going to do that? In fact, I think God loved this opportunity in that I'm going to show you guys, this massive group of people, for 40 years, I'm going to sustain you in a desert. And the only way you can do that is not by starting your own farms, not by doing your own banking, but you have to trust me. So when they're in the desert and go, we're thirsty, we need water, God just goes, there's a rock. Tap on the rock and here's as much water as you want. Oh, we're hungry. What can we get to eat? Oh, I'm going to give you manna or bread from heaven. So every morning you get out of your tent, there's going to be a loaf of bread outside your tent. Don't get more than you need for that, today, that, that day because tomorrow I'm going to give you more. So just take that. You need to trust me again for tomorrow. So every day they got bread. They complained about bread. Uh, they wanted variety in their food. So he goes, here's quail. And here's as much quail as you can eat. I think God loves that. I'm your protector. I'm your provider. I want to bless you. And he was just showing love to his children in that sense. In the desert, they couldn't do anything. But he's going, because you need to trust me. You need to trust me. And you can trust me in those moments. So for Solomon, when he goes, can we, when we understand God, when we understand everything belongs to him, and in that, he loves to be generous, loves being that protector provider for his people, all of a sudden, for our generosity, we can do it with joy. Because we know we've got the loving Father God who's got our back. He protects us. He provides us. We can give our stuff away because he knows we're not going to fail. He knows we're not going to fall. We can do it with joy and not duty. It's not like duty that we have to give. We have to do that. God says, I will give you only if you give to others. It's not like that. Did you notice what Solomon says here? There's no commands. He doesn't say, give freely or else. 
He doesn't say, be generous so you'll prosper. He doesn't say, sell the stuff in your barns. He doesn't say anything that as a command, because that would be duty then, wouldn't it? You've got to do this. If you call yourself a Christian, you've got to do this. It's not a command. The way Solomon writes it is actually, this is what I observe. God's working in the world in this way. And when he works in this way, we can kind of do the calculations in that when I'm generous, God usually blesses me. So I'm not commanding you to do it. But if you're wise, you'll listen to me. If you're wise, you'll be generous because God's going to make you a better person for it. Whether you grow in prosperity or whether you grow wiser or just a healthier person at all. Solomon goes, you'll do it if, you, if, you, if you're wise. That's where he's coming from. It's not a command. But he says you'll do it with joy because you know who God is. So if we really believe this, if we really believe we've got a heavenly father who loves us, loves to bless us, provides for us, we've still got the question, why is it so hard to be generous? Why is it so hard to give away my stuff? See, in the Old Testament, uh, the times before Jesus, uh, God's people had this thing called the tithe. They were expected to give like 10% to the temple, to the work of the kingdom. And after the 10%, like that was just a given. We just give 10%. That's a, a sort of a basic lesson on this is what it means uh, to give back to God. Then it was after that that you could be generous. It's like, I've got 90%. So what am I going to do with my 90%? That's when we start being generous. But the 10%, of course, we're going to give that to God. No questions asked. But for us today, we kind of go, if we were told, hey, it's good for you to give 10%. Are you kidding? 10% of my money? That's a lot. And if you start commanding to me, me to do it, that's not, that's not a gift. That sounds like a tax. And we're Australians. We don't like tax. So we don't, we're going to jack up with his 10%. If I'm going to cheat the system, I'll cheat the system here. And that's, that's what's going on in my heart. If I get told I have to do something like that, I'm going to fight it. So for, for this 10% plus, what makes it so hard? Why is it an obstacle that God says, how about 10%, but we have 90%? It still grates us. This is what I think is going on, not just for our day, but for Solomon's as well. So we have this principle that money, with money, you get power, you get control, you get future. Uh, you get security. That's what money does for me. I have power to control my life, to make decisions. I can control different things. I can control my future. It's my security. I know everything's going to be all right. I can be happy when I've got a full bank account. That's what's going on. And we get this all over through our advertising, uh, whether it's uh, win the lotto, and then you can choose your destiny. If you want to sit on a yacht for the rest of your life, you can sit on a yacht. If you want to travel the world, you travel. Which country am I going to, going to this week? If you had money, you give gives you power, control, gives you certainty and future. Even now, uh, what I, maybe I'm getting to the age where I'm noticing um, ads for retirement funds. Uh, they're going, you know... Surely when you retire, you want your overseas trips. You want to sit on the golf course as much as you want. Surely you don't want to retire with no money. Surely you don't want to drive a second-hand car and miss out on your overseas trips and not play golf whenever you want. Surely you don't. You need to hang on to your money. It's your money. You need to keep it. You need to hoard it. But what Solomon's saying 
He's, no, no, no. You're giving money too much power in this space. Money has not got that sort of power. He says, it's God. It's God. You've got the maths equation all wrong. You put God in there. It's God who has the power. God has control over uh, who you are and, and how he blesses you. God has control over your future. God has even your security. That's where we find our security. So don't trust your money. In fact, this is the summary of that last verse, verse 28. Those who trust in their riches, they're going to fall. But the righteous will thrive, thrive like a green leaf, because we're trusting God, not in our wealth. This is the basis of his argument. Get the right mass. Get God in the equation. And uh, yeah, we know God from his character. It's his stuff. And he's a generous God. We know that. So the question then comes back to, can I trust God? Do I trust him enough to actually be generous and not just hand over my money, but do it with joy? Can I joyfully give my money? Uh, In the New Testament, so after Jesus, uh, we see the Apostle Paul writes to a church talking about their giving. Uh, And he comes out of it, there's a whole two chapters, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. It's a great read if you want to read about the whole situation of uh, some people in poverty and he's writing to churches to to help them out, you know, why be generous. Uh, But I've just picked out a few verses that pulls a few things together about why we can trust God. Has he got my back? Can I be generous uh, and still have a smile on my face? The first thing he says, 2 Corinthians 8 from verse 7, where he says, he's writing to these churches, getting them to think about their generosity. He says, excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and complete earnestness, and in the love we have uh, kindled in you. It's like excel in all those things we talk about in the Christian life. But he says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. You know, often we think about the Christian life as our actions, the things we do, our gifts, the way we encourage each other, build each other up. He says, don't forget about your giving. It's also an act of grace, the way you can bless others. But then he goes on and he says, I'm not commanding you. So this is not uh, a command, but an encouragement. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. See, so He's saying, if you're doing it out of duty, again, if you're like me, we're going to get our back up. He says, I don't want you to do it out of, uh, out of a command. He doesn't say, God said you must. But he is saying, I want to test the sincerity of your heart. If you understand who God is, and that he's the loving Father God that you can trust, well, that's, that's the test. Can I trust him with my 30 cents? Can I trust him with my $30? Can I trust him with my $300? How much are we trusting God in this? Our love for God, knowing that he's there, that he's got my back. But then he pulls it all together. Why would we do this? Why would we be generous that exercise our gifts of giving? He says in verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So he he reminds us, God has got your back. This is the God who created the universe. And God, in Genesis, explains how created uh, through Jesus himself. And through Jesus, he created the earth, he created the soil, he created the rain, he created the seeds, he created the trees. For that tree to one day be cut down and made into a cross 
So Jesus, the creator of universe, sustainer of the universe, king of the universe, will come into the universe to save the universe. And it's actually his creation. He's going to be nailed up there. He left his riches, his throne, the king of the universe, to come into it, to save it, to give himself up for it. He's got your back. If he's willing to give up his life for you, so for us who is in death, that we might become rich, that we might find life, that find true life, if he's going to do that for you, to give himself for you, surely he's going to sustain you. And what does this mean for the Father God? I've been talking about the Father God in action, how he created the, uh, the Garden of Eden through Jesus, his son. He gave it to Adam and Eve, but yet they, um, they rebelled against him. That didn't work, a bunch of rebels. Uh, then in, he, he rescued them, saved them into, uh, from slavery, and gave them freedom. But then they rebelled again and didn't want to go into the promised land. Then he sustained them through the desert. I'll give you water, I'll give you manna, I'll give you um, uh, meat to eat. I'll give you all this stuff to give you. But yet the world in this continual rebellion says, what do I have to do for these people? Do I have to give them everything, including my own son? And that's what he does. That he even gives his only son in Jesus for us to have life. That's generous. You know, somebody's in so much need that they're, we're dead, spiritually dead. But he would give his son to be killed on a cross so we might find life. That's generous. And he does that. You never, you'll never find a passage in the New Testament where God does it begrudgingly. You'll never hear God say, oh man, I wish I didn't do that. What a bunch of rebels. And I gave my son for them. He never says that. He gives his son joyfully, in a sense, that he might be glorified through giving life, life through us. That's a God who just, everything belongs to him, but yet he gives everything up for us. And Jesus even says, you know, when you pray, pray to him, Father, and pray and ask for him for stuff. And what sort of father gives their child snakes and spiders and stuff when they pray to them? No, no, he's going to bless you even more than what you pray for. She says, is that sort of father God that we've got, that he reaches out to us? This is not something we should do out of duty. But actually, how are we responding? How are we relating to this father God that we have? Duty says, look what I've done for you. You have to do this in, in return. Or if you do this, I'll do this in return. God's not like that. He's got our back. He's given us it all. So then we can give with joy. Giving with joy means I don't have to. I have a choice in this. I'm not obliged to. But yet, but I can do. And when I can do, Solomon says, you can trust God that he will look after you. Don't trust your money for that. Trust Father God for that. And the righteous will thrive. The righteous, you can give with joy, knowing that Father God's there for you. How do I pray? Because this is a hard thing to wrestle with. How can I give? It'd be a great time to pass the buckets around again now, wouldn't it? Just to see, how, were we listening? Are we getting? But we're not doing that. We're not that sort of church. But I want you to think about it. I want you to draw near to God. We're going to give in our hearts, right? That's what we do as Presbyterians. We do it on the inside. We're going to do that. But we're going to uh, think, am I taking you seriously, God? 
Am I really trusting you and not trusting my money? Let me pray. Dear Father, thank you that you're a loving Father God. Thank you that we can trust you. Often we get so consumed with our own life, our own busyness, that's my stuff, my money, and I want to protect it because it's all about me and my future. But Lord, help us to see you, your great love for us, that you don't withhold from us, but you entrust us with all this stuff. Lord, help us to have generous hearts, generous hands, generous wallets, Lord, that we might see needs and give to it, that we might give to your kingdom, and that we might feel, see that we're a part of it and that we're making a difference. Lord, use us in that journey. But Lord, help us to do it with joy, knowing that as your children, you've always got our back. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.